0: You this morning last week, uh, we were in Newburgh, um, almost this time. we were dropping our son Benjamin back at school for his sophomore year of college at george fox University and so taking him back there and uh, he 's had an interesting year at, at school he 's back a little bit early to train to be an r a or resident assistant as uh, he 's I'm in charge of a apartment complex there and uh, so that'll be a stretch for him and uh, yet he's had a lot of different experiences in this last year when he got there the uh, he's an art studio art major and uh, actually and as well as art history which I know sounds like big money huh yeah so <laughs> that's coming um, But he would like to be a professor, and uh, as he has shared with them when he was interviewing before uh, even going to school, he was talking to them about some of his experiences working at a couple of different art studios here in Florence and some of the things that he has been able to do. And uh, this last year, one of his work study jobs was uh, they actually created a position for him as uh, they called it the steward of Brower Hall, which is the art building there. And so they have one entire building that's dedicated to the art department. And, uh, and so as steward of the art uh, building, he was responsible for organization within the art department. And I don't know if you've ever had an artist live in your house. You know, they're not always the most organized, okay? <laughs> Uh, and so you can imagine what this entire building filled with artists looks like. Now, my son is a bit of a freak in this sense that he is organized and he's a bit OCD, can't stand things out of their place. And so it was a good fit for him. But as he was sharing with us, he was talking about having to order things and to find spaces for things to be and to be responsible for other students' artwork and, and how it was stored. And uh, And as a freshman, as a first year student, it was intimidating to him. To understand that he had this responsibility over upperclassmen and some of their artwork, of all the supplies that were in Broward Hall, and uh, and it was nerve-wracking to him to be a, again, the title of his role was steward of Broward Hall. And so a steward is somebody that takes care of other people's stuff and belongings or assets. And so I understand this a bit, not uh, quite what Ben experienced as a freshman, but I'll never forget a time in college when I had a, a, an emergency in that moment and I didn't bring a car to college with me. And so I'm racking my brain, where can I get a car? And I thought of my buddy who lived about a half a block away and I ran down the road to his house and, and I was like, Ty, can I borrow your car? Now, now, he had a, like a two-year-old sports car, and so I'm on my way that I'm running down there. I'm thinking all the ways I'm going to convince him that he should lend me his car and why he should entrust this vehicle to me, this brand-new sports car. And so I'm going down there, and I'm, and I'm ready, and I'm like, hey, Ty, I need your car. And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, I need it. he was like, okay, here, and handed me the keys. And I was like, whoa, hold on. I've got this whole spiel you know, planned for you. And he was like, take it. If you need it, you should take it. And and I that has always stuck with me just the way that he viewed his stuff that it wasn't that important that it, it seemed precious to me and then I was very nervous as I drove uh, and and dealt with this moment in his new car but more so than that I think about uh, holding Brooklyn for the first time after she was born there's something different about a girl. And holding her and understanding, okay, I have this being that I have been entrusted with. You know, it's my child, but at the same time, it's not really my child. We shared a little bit about that with our baby dedications a few weeks ago, that we have been given a gift and entrusted with something, that we are stewards of so many things, uh, of things, of items like cars or or pieces of art or supplies, uh, of of family, of children, and uh, we are entrusted with these kinds of things. I'd like you to hold up your egg. Grab that. Now, I don't know exactly how you felt on your way through the door when you were given this egg, and you were probably curious and wondering a little bit about that. And I would imagine that every single one of us at some level felt some form of anxiety. (laughs) Why have you given me this egg? So, and then I heard a lot of people saying, "Was hard-boiled, and a lot of people saying, no, I think that's raw, and so if you are confident that this is hard-boiled, hold it up in the air. Not too many of you, okay. So you think I would entrust you in this building with dozens and dozens of raw eggs? Really? Well, I did. You see, in your anxiety, and I'm curious what you did with that. Some of you brought it back to your pew, and you decided to hold on to it. I'm going to hold this egg, and I'm going to protect this egg at all costs, because I am not going to be that guy. (laughs) Okay? And some of you placed it in your purse, and you wrapped it in a handkerchief. Who put it in your purse? Oh, really? Brave ones. That was in my... Okay, a couple. Yeah? That seems safe to me if I, I would have just given it to my wife and said, here... Put this in your purse. That's what I do with a lot of things. Some of you uh, uh, just set it gently down beside you, and probably when you went to sit down after we were singing, you know, made sure, okay, it's not underneath me. Yeah. So we've been entrusted for a moment with this egg, and it's really, it's worth like eight cents or something like that. It's not worth much, and yet it seems so fragile to us. And, and to hold on to it and to be entrusted with it for a moment. And I want you to have that kind of mindset as we get into today's text, as we continue in our series of being rooted and the things that God has entrusted us with in our lives, that we don't always view them as sacredly and possibly as, as, uh, as a thought of being entrusted with it. As we did this egg even this morning. And so, as we jump in, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I, I think about this this thought of how do we view the world and and stewardship and and being a steward of somebody else's possessions is is a spiritual discipline. Understanding our right role of how we steward different things. There's a saying that's been out a thousand times. You've probably heard it over and over again. Is I'll show you what is important to you uh, by looking at your checkbook and your calendar. I can tell you what's important to you by looking at your checkbook and your calendar because the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money talks largely to our priorities and what is important to us. And so stewardship has to do with a whole lot of different kinds of things, the things that we have been entrusted with. And so I want to look at 2 Corinthians, uh, again, chapter 8, to see what Paul is talking about here. We'll start verse 1 through 5. He says this. Uh, in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So he's describing this scene to you, and he's saying that that this this ministry of the grace of God. Now, a few weeks ago, when we were looking at serving and the way that we serve in our community, the way that we serve within the church body, we learned about this word grace, and you recall that the word grace means what? Anybody? undeserved favor let's say it again grace is undeserved favor and so we understand this that grace has been granted to us that we didn't earn it we don't deserve it and yet we have been forgiven uh, as we come into a relationship with Jesus Note by no doing of our own it's just been given to us favor with God and yet Paul uses it slightly differently here where he says um, that uh, that We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So this undeserved favor that he's talking about, it's not just a forgiveness of sins, but he's talking about finances that have been given. And he says this, they have given not only out of their means, but they went well above and beyond their means. It says that they didn't just look and see what was reasonable according to their checkbook and according to what they could spare. And I've got this much extra, so I'm going to give some of that extra over to the ministry of the saints. But it says that they went far beyond their needs and their own means. And it says that they actually begged. They begged to be a part of blessing others. What an interesting... Uh, vocabulary to use there. They begged for the opportunity to be a part of this ministry of grace to other believers. You see, they were taking care of the financial needs of other believers within their region and even outside of their region. They begged for the opportunity and they dug deep to where they couldn't, uh, they didn't give out of their excess, but they gave and had to sacrifice in order to be a part of blessing other people. Because they were rooted in God, this rooting was able to outflow in, in this fruit of giving to others. Let's take a look at verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had stated, uh, started, so he should be complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And so he's talking about Titus who has been at work and and blessing the saints and taking these gifts to others. And then he says, now to you in Corinth. Along with being faithful in your speech and the way that you treat each other, I also want you to excel in this gift of grace by giving to others as well. Then it continues in verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, this, for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, may become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desire to do this. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. So he goes on to say that, that this isn't law says, I want you to know this isn't a commandment. This is not something that I'm telling you you have to do. No. In fact, I want you to just be a part of this. I want you to go with me for a second with this. And He says, I want you to to feel what God has desired for you to do. That indication that he gave you a year ago, you see, they'd been making plans for this and and had begun to bless others through their giving. And now he's saying, but I want you not just in your intention, but in your completion to show your love for God. God. You know, it's one thing to have great intentions of the things that you're going to do. It's a whole nother thing to follow through with them. He says, I want you to be ready and willing to follow through with this, that you can prove and show your love for God. But I don't want you to think that I'm telling you, I'm making you do this. I'm just encouraging you to follow through with what you already said you wanted to do. You see, sometimes I think that we, we make and we have intentions and we mean to do well, especially in this area of stewardship. Whether it's our time, I mean well to do, uh, to do right by God with my time, but the day just got away from me. And, and then something came up at work and I had to stay late and I just didn't have the time. And, and Paul is saying here with finances, it's one thing to have intentions. It's another thing to follow through to completion says I want you to encourage be encouraged in this and following through. And I think sometimes especially with our time we think but you don't understand what it what my day held, what my week held. You know, we see our time as as our time. I only have this much time. It makes me actually think of uh, of Jesus Early in his ministry, he was taken and tempted by the evil one. It says that Satan took him up onto a hillside and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, Look down, Jesus, at all of this. And he says, I will give this to you if you just bow a knee and worship me. What an absurd thing to say. You know, it's like if we stood up and, and during one of the songs, you, you reached into the person in front of you and stole somebody's wallet and then said, tapped on their shoulder and said, hey, if, if, you, if you want, if you'll tell everybody what a great person I am, I'll give you 10 bucks out of your own wallet. You know? And so we sit here and Satan is offering to Jesus, I will give all of this to you. And Jesus is like, it's all mine to begin with. And yet, don't we do that with Jesus? God, I'll give you some of my time. You know, if you just allow everything to go smooth at work, I'll give you some of my time. And God's looking at us like, it's all my time. It's all my money. It's all my resources. And yet we view it as our own, and sometimes we hold on to it tightly. Verse 12 in chapter 8, continuing, he says, "'For if the readiness is there, it's acceptable.'" He's saying, now, now, the way that you give, you're not all going to give equal. You're not going to give the same amount, but I want you to each uh, th- consider how you can sacrifice. I'm asking all of us to sacrifice in some way. And then he goes and he refers back to Exodus, and, and when he states, it says, Who- whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever, whoever gathered little had no lack. This is talk about manna. When they were out in the desert and manna fell from the sky and in the morning uh, as the dew, uh, uh, the manna was there and they would go out and they would gather and they would pour some in so that it was enough for the day. And they were told, don't gather too much. Don't try to hoard so much that you have enough for today and tomorrow. Just take enough for the day. And it says that as they went out and gathered, that as they came in, everybody had exactly what they needed. And then there was times that that they would hoard for themselves and say, no, I need more than that. I need more than my neighbors. And so they would take more and they would eat for the day. And then the next morning it would be rotten and sour and it would have gone bad. And God is saying, why don't you just trust me for the day because I'm going to give you what you need for the day. And sometimes you're going to have an abundance. And when you can give abundantly out of your abundance, it will take care of others' needs. And there are going to be times that possibly you don't have as much. And the abundance of others will be able to supply your needs. And so he's continuing to teach this. The next part of chapter 8 he shares about Titus, and you should go home and read this part about the ministry that he was doing with a team of people as he, he was going about the countryside, and he was sharing the gifts that had been given in Macedonia and blessing others, but I want to pick it up in chapter 9. It says this, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia saying that Akai has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers that you're boasting about, that my boasting about you may, prove, may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I have said that you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and to arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. He says, I want you to follow through again. And and I just sent the brothers to remind you and to spur you on and to encourage you in this fashion. I remember when I worked at David C. Cook Ministries, as Christian publishing house, and there'd be times that, that the upper management was gonna come down and talk to uh, the, consul- the consulting team, and our manager would bring us together, and, and she would say, I've been bragging about you guys. I've been saying what an amazing job. So when they come down here, don't embarrass me. Do what you've been doing. Do what I know that you can do and, and rise to the occasion. And in essence, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying it's unnecessary. It's, it's superfluous. It's kind of ridiculous that I even bring it up because I know your faithfulness, but I just want to encourage you in this way. And then in verse 6, it says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He is distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever." So again he says I want you to to do what you've decided in your heart again this isn't a command this isn't something that you have to do but as you spend time with God asking him and and having him share with you what he is impressing on your heart I want you to follow through with that again this is all about grace uh, not not about a command and then he continues verse 10 he who supplies of your submission following from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. He talks about God as he is the supplier of the suppliers. Those that hand out things to others, he supplies them and he gives to them. And he says, so that You can be a blessing to others. Now, this has been God's plan from the very beginning in the Old Testament, uh, as God called the Israelites his chosen people. He was saying, you have been a blessing, not so that you can be this pocket of godly people while all the rest of the world around you are heathens. He says, you have been made a blessing so that you can bless those that are around you. I've made you a picture of who I am. Remember, we talked about thy kingdom come. As we live according to God's will, we bring God's kingdom to this earth. And that's what he's saying. The supplier has supplied you so that you can bless other people. That's why. Not so that you can can hoard things. Not that you can look great in your own eyes. And that's where the Israelites faulted over and over again. They became obsessed with themselves. They got inwardly focused, and then God would, would turn his back on them because they weren't doing what his plan was. But then they would turn back to him, and God would come and, and pull them out of, uh, of slavery and, and out of dark places that they were. And, and he's saying this to us, that I made you, I blessed you. And some of us, he's blessed in different ways. Some financially, some with extra time. Some of us, uh, some of you, <laughs> as you're retired, I've been blessed in this season with extra time that you've never had, with homes or, or with possessions that you can use to be a blessing to others. And he's used this body also to come together. And I just want to share a little bit just to encourage us in this time as, as Paul was doing and he's saying, you have been faithful throughout this year and I want you to continue to do what you've been doing. And so Florence, Church at Florence, I want to share with you a little bit in case you have forgotten some of these things. But here at FCC... You know, just two weeks ago with Vacation Bible School, we had this uh, back, food backpacks for kids. And through that, we were able to raise $3,181. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. The goal that was put out to our VBS kids was $2,500, and even when we made the announcement last week, it was less than this number now because people continue to give to this. And that food backpacks for kids will provide meals for children who don't have food over the weekends, and they come and they eat from the meal programs at the school, and sometimes they would go from Friday afternoon until Monday morning without being able to eat. But now these kids here in Florence and in Mapleton will have food in there not only for themselves, but for their brothers and sisters, for their family, that they can have food throughout the weekend to stay nourished. This year, as, as Kathleen was up here talking about every child, as new project that's coming, when, uh, when we did the project at the D- Department of Human Services, you guys were able to raise $2,716 for that to renovate uh, the parents' room that that kids come and interact with their parents and that the foster families come in so it could be more inviting to families and friendly for kids and have toys that had all their pieces and, and parts to them and that weren't broken and dirty. The other is Ruby Ranch Water Project. Back in October, November, you guys were able to raise $4,803 where there was flooding in Nicaragua and there was people without fresh water or the ability to have that. And so we were able to raise funds to take dozens of filtration systems out into those neighborhoods where some locals, the ORANs, are are doing ministry in those spaces and give extra supplies and and needs in those neighborhoods. And these water filters are going to be able to provide for a family for two years fresh water in those homes, and so you guys came through on that. There's also ministries like Caring Pregnancy Center and and Grow Christian Camp, our missionaries, uh, the things that we support locally in our missions program, and you guys this year have given $12,242 to that in the last 12 months to support missions uh, all over the globe as well as right here in Florence. Yeah. Along with our summer fundraiser, which raised more than $5,000 to send kids to camp and to do vacation Bible school, we also have a ministry for a child named Farjana, who's in Bangladesh. And this is something our students started 13 years ago. They adopted this child who's now 17 years old. And uh, But was four at that time, and so the students of this church have given more than $5,000 uh, to Farzana to provide an education and to provide clothing and food and Christmas presents and birthday presents for this child over the course of many, many years. And, and so total, this is more than $23,000 that you guys have donated. Just in this last year, that doesn't even count the, the Farjana who's in Bangladesh, that you guys have been excelling and exceeding in this ministry of grace to others, that you have been blessed and you have used that to be a blessing to others as God has intended, not to mention your time. With Hallelujah Party, 45 volunteers coming out, that's more than 135 volunteer hours. Some of our others are Easter extravaganza with kids, more than 105 hours. And VBS this last week with more than 65 volunteers, that's 1,300 volunteer hours that went into Vacation Bible School. We to be clapping. So you're excelling as you see that you are stewards of what God has blessed you with time and and money and possessions. And I just want to encourage you to continue in that way, that this is a way that we are rooted and grounded in God. That as we see ourselves as having a, a steward, as being stewards over his possessions that he has blessed us with for a time and asking him what he wants us to do with them. And so my challenge to you is to continue on this route. Three things that I want you to maybe write down. The first is, what have you decided in your heart? Okay, that's what he talks about. Paul refers to over and over. Paul's challenge, follow through with your intention. Prayerfully asking God how he wants you to steward the things that he has given to you and deciding within yourself, again, uh, uh, one of these things. That, and we kind of look at, at finances even, and, and you can see that sometimes we have a, a tipping mindset when we give to God financially, even through the church, that you know, we'll throw a five or a ten dollar bill in the plate. We're, we're tipping God, although sometimes we don't tip God as well as we tip our waitresses and waiters, and, and some of you know what I think about that. You know, so we're, we're tipping. Other times we're we're tithing, that this uh, largely Old Testament reference uh, is something of 10%, and that is what it means, that this is the goal that we need to be shooting for to give 10% of our income, and that that's the starting, that's the end point, and I just wonder if that's not maybe the beginning point for some of us, that God's saying, hey, this is all mine, and maybe 10% is the bare minimum of what you need to be doing, but then the third one that I want you to think about is trusting. You know, how are we trusting God? Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for Christian Life, said this. He says, we too will give to the extent that we believe God will provide for us. The greater our faith that God will provide for our needs, the greater will be our willingness to risk giving to him. And the less we trust God, the less we will want to give to him. Your giving, to can be, and probably already is, a tangible indication of how much you believe that God will provide for your needs. Now, I don't have any clue what any of you give, and so I'm not quite sure how that verse hits you, but let that maybe sink in for a little bit. You know, he says, secondly, that he wants us to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, Much like when we were talking about serving, I want you to know this is not a command. This is not a guilt-ridden message that I want to give you. And so if you have guilt, that's not from Scripture. God doesn't work in guilt, and I want you to move that to the side, and yet I want you to be listening to God. He doesn't want you to give reluctantly. In fact, he wants you to give cheerfully. I love in verses 4 and 5, it says that they begged Paul. They begged him to be a part of this ministry of grace. How can we be involved? How can we be involved in a way that blesses other people? And sometimes we we have to give for a bit in order to be cheerful, in order to understand that he wants to bless us as well. And scriptures are packed with so many promises of his faithfulness to us as we are faithful to him. So I want you to take your egg again. I want you to hold your egg up, and and this is what I'm going to ask you to do with your egg. I'm going to ask you to take your egg home, and I'm going to ask you to put your egg somewhere that you're going to see it all week, which means not in your refrigerator. (laughs) Some of you will be tempted to make an omelet out of this, or or maybe your community group will get together and and share. Do you know that eggs can be used also as hair conditioner? That the whites of eggs can be used as glue? that the shells can be boiled and, and broken up and put in plants. And, uh, and there's hundreds of uses for eggs, you know? I just kind of go to, like, bacon uh, bacon avocado omelet, right? <laughs> That's what I see when I look at this. Oh, what could be? And we don't consider necessarily all the other uses of what this could be. And sometimes we look at our own time. We look at our own money. And and we have something in mind that we already have right there. And we don't see the uses that God may have for it. That he may want to do something different through the resources that he's entrusted you with. You know what? And some of you are probably going to drop this on your way home. And it's going to break. And you know what? Sometimes we've dropped the ball or the egg. You know, with our finances, we haven't been faithful to God, but he entrusts us with more. He's going to give you another time, another chance to be faithful again. And I'm not telling you what you should give. I don't have a clue what you should give. In fact, the thing I'm asking you to do, I hope you understand the risk with it. I'm asking you to go home and put this egg somewhere. Pray about what you have. Ask God to show you what he wants you to do with what he's entrusted you with. See, the risk is this, that you go home and God says, I don't want you to give anything to Florence Christian Church good. If that's the case, then you should follow God and what he's telling you. Absolutely. And so there's risk involved, but I think God is going to be faithful to tell you to your heart what you should do and and not just the commitments that you've made in the past and maybe what you've done for years, but what have you been entrusted with today? And that's what this egg is to remind you about all week. So I don't know where you should put it. I don't know if it should be on your table, you know, if it should be like sitting in front of your TV, maybe you watch that a lot that you'll see it, that you'll be reminded to ask God, God, what have you entrusted me with and how do you want me to use it now? That's my prayer and that's my request of you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for you being at work. I thank you for the closing lines of this scripture that says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God, you have given us life. You have given us reconciliation through your son. You've entrusted us with so much on this planet. Maybe even when we think we don't have much, when we look globally, we can recognize just the way that you have blessed us. God, help us to be faithful with what you have given to us that we may be able to be a blessing to others. I thank you for Florence Christian Church and the way that she has been able to bless people in this community and around the globe just in this last calendar year. Lord, help us to continue to see how you may want to use us in the things that you've given us. God, you are amazing. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.